This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. Welcome to Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show about movies. I'm Alex McCauley. I'm Max Fosberg. And I'm Grant Colombini. It'll be our mission over the next hour to guide you through the world of film and movie history. On this episode, we're very excited to break down the genre of isolation and movies that deal with that expansive category. Of course, in these trying times of COVID-19, we've all surely experienced some sort of like isolation-induced paranoia where uh, you know we weren't really sure what the future might hold for us. Are we going to be stuck in our homes? You know, what's next? Um, so that was really kind of the driving force behind wanting to do an episode like this that dealt with this theme, uh, which, you know, when I started looking back at movie history, this has been a huge subgenre that has cross-pollinated with uh, comedies, with dramas, with horror, with all those uh, different kind of main staples um, of your films. And so I'm really excited to talk about this. Uh, I want to go around and hear from each of you guys. First off, like, how are you doing? Um, And then what was your initial thought when you heard we were going to be doing isolation films? Like, you know, Max, what does this this genre mean to you? Uh, Well, well, first off, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm trying to survive this heat that it's we're in. It's hot out right now. We all are. I'm not really built for the heat, <laughs> as some people who know me personally. Um, so I've been trying to stay cool, and a good way of doing that is turning on all the fans in my house, shutting all the lights off, and just watching a movie and trying to be still. So I've been enjoying a, a lot of different movies, and in, in, also in that act, I've been isolating myself. Guys, <laughs> enjoying hand right now. Yes. Um, yeah. So isolation movies to me uh, kind of always talk about. Obviously, you know, you can be very, very obvious in one person being alone, but also I think you. Uh, isolation also has to do with maybe a weirdo or or a or a. Uh, outsider, uh, even if they're around people. Uh, so uh, I, I really enjoy isolation movies and uh, going through these next films we're going to talk about. Um, it was a, 
it was an interesting ride. It was it was a little it got got a little down <laughs> because it was like wow. It's not the most uplifting genre. Yeah. Not right. at all. No. Not no. at all. No. Especially <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Grant, did you experience some of the same uh, perils? Yeah. Um, when this all lockdown got put in place, I decided to go for the first month bunk with my parents just because they're both high risk and I didn't want them getting out into the world. So I figured I'd be the one to do it. And that offered me the opportunity to just watch and show them a bunch of movies while also them do the same to me. But mainly when we talked about this idea of isolation, the first thing that came to my mind is the conversation of mental health and staying healthy and like talking about it and dealing with it. And also not knowing, like a lot of people tend to stuff it down. So a lot of movies I have um, deal with that. And just that conversation coming to the surface, which I am excited about, especially in this new age in the past few years, that conversation has been more and more apparent, especially with COVID, people being locked up, being not being able to do the things they want to do. So I definitely have those kind of like notes in these in these movies that that tends to be kind of the theme throughout the list I have. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because I know for me, uh, film has always been a great form of therapy. Whether, Absolutely. You know, whether you're a teenager and you know, it's some rom-com that you can relate to or you're partying for the first time and someone shows you something like Animal House or Superbad or, you know, you're all of a sudden experiencing drugs for the first time and someone shows you Fear and Loathing or something like Blow and you're just like oh my gosh, what is this? There's this whole other world that I can use to kind of escape with. I feel like this is a great, like what you're saying, a great opportunity to kind of um, embellish, the, but also like the negative side of this, oh, absolutely. this genre yeah. right now. And, and it, yeah. like I said, it just brings it to the surface. It brings the conversation to light. And I, totally. I kind of love that whole idea of, yes. this, of this genre That's that we're great. talking about. Um, well, I'm the same with you guys. I, You know, when I think of this genre, I think of being trapped in my own head or, or watching a movie being trapped in the main character's head, something like that, a, a point of view kind of story. Um, and then also too, uh, you know, you're secluded in one place. That's, I feel like kind of what, you know, most of our films might end up, uh, leaning back to is that, you know, it's, there's one location, which is what we're all living through right now. You know, we're confined to our homes. Sure. A lot of us are working, um, and a lot of us are still going out to the grocery store and, you know, other things like that. But it is a far cry from what life was like Absolutely. eight months ago, you know, a year ago, certainly. Um, which kind of, give you know, leads me to what our own definition of isolation really is. I mean, we all kind of have a general sense of the qualifications that need to go into a movie to make it a true isolation film. Um, but we left it, you know, pretty loose. We didn't set any strict parameters. Uh, so that's, I think, going to lead to a lot of interesting choices, some hot takes that a few of us might make, a few debates. Um, I know my list ended up having some very similar connections, even though the films are extremely different. They can fit into a bunch of different genres, uh, at least on the surface. You know, I'm sure we'll dive into why these all kind of have a, a deeper connection to the theme of isolation. Um, but I'm kind of curious, just Max, before we get into your top five, yeah. if you noticed any sort of kind of hidden theme or something that was just like right under the surface of all your movies. Um, I would say I would say two of them kind of are connected and then the other three are kind of connected. 
um, as far as and we'll get into this as far as like a, a group isolation and then a individual isolation. I'm with you on that. Yes. Um, and one is actually kind of I mean, we'll, one one is almost kind of reverse isolation, which I thought was really interesting. Okay, uh, I like that already. Yeah, but yeah. But I, I really, yeah, I really uh, connected to that film. Um, Grant, you? Yeah, for me, I I like realized as I was putting these notes together, three of mine all deal with space and being out in space, um, and then the other two deal with two people being absolutely alone, like complete isolation. Just those two people in in also different retrospects, which I will touch on later. But uh, I I noticed, and it wasn't until I like completed my list of like, hey, these are the five where I was like, oh, well, three of them deal with space. Okay, let's see how this goes. And I mean, I think that space, first and foremost, is the perfect setting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what genre your film is going to be. You're, it's going to be about isolation, first yeah. and foremost, when you're out in space. And I found myself having a lot, and I mean a lot, of <laughs> movies that yeah. I had to decide between yeah. where I'm like, there has to be a space movie in my top five, right. I just don't know which one because there's so many good <laughs> ones. Yeah, the moment, three, but you know, the yeah. moment you get out in space, how you can't get more isolated than that. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's uh, the Academy Awards have proved this. They've came through and validated that that's one of the first, you know, like kind of genre thriller, not quite horror film that they were going to accept. Going all the way back to 2001: Space Odyssey. I mean, that's a PG movie that you watch now, and if this was a Netflix show, if this was anything else, there'd be there'd be a crazy disaster scene, there'd be violence in it, and it would be something that was like the, the cultural zeitgeist, not that 2001 wasn't, but that was kind of the one movie, and I don't know if it makes any of your guys' list, so I don't want to spoil anything, but that was kind of the one movie that I thought, this is the first movie that dealt with space and thought that you are by yourself yeah and and you know talking talk, talking to a computer to artificial intelligence <laughs> yeah. and that's it yeah um and so i'm with you i you know it it comes down to having a small ensemble cast i feel like mm-hmm. it, i found myself having a lot of horror films in my uh in my list and naturally. even in my honorable mentions yes naturally <laughs> of course um and then also i i ended up uh kind of finding a few odd similarities yeah. Between a lot of my movies, where it's like, I only knew as much as the director wanted me to know as uh, the main character. Like, I'm seeing the movie through the main character's perspective, and I only know as much as they know. Yeah. Which is, I think is a big part of feeling isolated, because you don't have the answers. A lot of, like, mystery movies, you kind of already know where they're going, and so, not to make them any less fun... But when you only know as much as the characters know, there's much more intrigue. And then also, you know, the one location thing, like what we were saying, the timeless nature of the subgenre. And then also, I feel like this genre really works when there's no cell phones involved. I noticed that a lot of my movies are like pre-cell phone, pre-internet era. Well, yeah, I mean, with, with all the ways we can connect now, it's hard to be super isolated it is and it's not to say that there hasn't been or there haven't been effective horror films or even you know just normal films that have been made that deal with isolation there's a lot of psychological you know you're by yourself as a human being uh uh, moments and especially like entire films that are based around that but yes 
And to the contrary, a lot of my films deal with the fact that technology is their only way of communication and is ah, their only way of connecting to the outside world, which then how does that affect you when you only have this that great. connection? Mm-hmm. I love it. So just wanted to throw that out there as we dive into things. Oh no, that's but, that's awesome. This yeah. is this is uh, why we this is why we all make our own list. And so yes, uh, yes. without further ado, as is our approach we have not shared our list yes. with each other, and so if we happen to, you know, double up or triple up, um, or even have contrasting views yes. on some of these films, we are going to expand on or consolidate our thoughts, and let's let's get it going, Max. Start with your number five. All right. Uh, my number five is a 2016 film, uh, Captain Fantastic. What are you doing to them? I'm You're... saving their lives. That's what I'm doing. You sound so ridiculous. Is knowing how to set a broken bone or how to treat severe burn ridiculous? Knowing how to navigate by the stars in total darkness, that's ridiculous? Uh, and now this is kind of the reverse isolation. This is a story about uh, a, a man named Ben, who's played by Vigo Mortensen, who uh, is raising a family deep in the woods of the Pacific Northwest when he finally decides to bring them out of isolation and into the real world. Uh, <laughs> Keep going. Keep going, because I will say this right off the bat. This is a movie I know of that I have never seen. Yeah, it's an excellent movie, but also it it, it shows to what uh, we can become if we are raised in isolation and if we're, we are tree people and then coming out of that isolation and how they have to adapt to, you know, population. Uh, and, 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 and there's a lot of things that they don't know about. They don't know what tech, you know, about technology or anything. I think it's set like in the nineties. Um, so technology is a little behind anyway. Pre-internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just very interesting. And he's got six kids. So this is a big group of them and they range from, you know, 22 to, you know, six. So it's interesting to see how each kid kind of does their own thing. You know, because eventually they they all split up and some go back to the woods and some stay. And uh, very interesting film and, and deals with isolation where you're at the beginning of the film for about the first hour. You are in with isolation. You're OK with isolation. Uh, and oh, it's almost kind of, 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 a, of a paradise. Uh, and it kind of shows uh, maybe maybe the good side of isolating. Makes you uncomfortable when they finally get out of isolation because you're yeah. used to seeing these characters how they are, and then all of a sudden they get thrown into the world. Well, yeah, and it also just kind of makes you question, like, man, like they are doing things a certain way that might be might be better. <laughs> okay, that that was going to be my question. I didn't know how to ask it without uh, revealing any. Sp- I don't want you to reveal any spoilers, yeah. and so I won't ask you because of that, you know, <laughs> uh, admission that you just gave, which is great. Um, that's something I'm definitely, so when, when did this fall on kind of the Viggo Mortensen, uh, run? Where, where is this uh, in his filmography? 2016. Oh, so... okay. So he has a lot of clout making this yeah. movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it's before Green Book. Sure. Uh, but same I mean, year as Green Book. Actually. We're talking, we're talking though, after he's after, already Lord, yeah, of, Lord of the Rings, Rings after all that. Eastern yeah. Promises, A History of Violence. I was going to yeah. mention The Method. Road. Too. Yeah. That almost made my list as well. Yeah, I mean, Viggo Mortensen is... Yeah, yeah he's excellent. I, I believe he was nominated. Uh, right. Yeah, he was nominated for an Oscar. 
really so, touching story. Has some you know part, tearjerker parts, but uh, I, I really really enjoyed it. Well, that's a great pick at number five, Max. Yeah, Grant, you're number five. My number five is a relatively new movie, Ad Astra. It's the two of us back home, maybe. Oh. Yeah. This is home. This is a one-way voyage, my son. With Brad Pitt, um, directed by James Gray, who did We Own the Night and The Lost City of Z. The writer is Ethan Gross, who has done almost nothing. So a great breakthrough for him. Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones, Don Sutherland. Um, Like I said before, a movie that deals heavily with mental health. My favorite part of this movie is throughout it, Brad Pitt in his journey to this space anomaly that his father went to and they suspect that either he's dead or he's alive but it this anomaly is causing problems back on earth so it's up to him to go figure out what's going on he has to keep doing these psyche vows and throughout the movie he is just doing these psyche vows where he's talking to a computer and a computer asks him questions and you can tell as the movie goes on that he is acting he is saying the things that need to be said so he can continue his mission even though everything that is happening to him is taking a toll. The movie itself is an insanely slow burn. There's like one action scene on the moon, which is fantastic. I, I like, I love it. But it is a very slow drama movie. Um, I Let, highly... Let's, I, let's give some credit to our uh, primate friends out there. No, there's, I'll there's, get there's, out of here with these space baboons. There, there's a second... There's Terrible! A second, there's a second scene that gets your heart pumping. That's true, that's true. Um... <laughs> I will say that the main thing for me in this movie though despite all that other stuff is I watched it with my dad and this has such a father-son like it tugs on your heartstrings it is it is huge about what is it to be a man what is it to be a son what is it to be a father um, but then also like even when Brad Pitt is around people he is by himself He's always felt alone when he was on Earth. He feels alone where he is now. And it's not until he's on his way back. It's not a spoiler, but there's just this this sense of reconciliation that has hit me so hard that it's like, it's one of my favorite lines. I don't want to quote it just because it's going to give some spoilers out there. But when he's on his way home and he's giving his final psyche vow, it's where he stops acting. And he starts saying all the things he needs to say. And it was just one of those movies where as soon as we talked about isolation, I was like, this movie is in my list. Because it's one of those movies of even though he's around people, he's alone the entire time. And even even Donald Sutherland's character that is his coach halfway through the movie, like they almost never agree. They almost are never on the same page because Brad Pitt feels, I am right. I know what to do. I know what I have to do even though he should take some advice and he should branch out. But it's one of those, once you are alone, that's what you know, that's what you're comfortable with, so that's how you want to stay. And it's one of those, he gets to a point where he realizes you can't survive that way. And so Ad Astra to me is just is quintessential isolation to me. It's a great pick. I'm very fond of this movie as well. And it almost makes me wish I included or even thought to include another film on my list, which is Apocalypse Now. And I think oh, that, I think that Ad Astra pulls a ton from that movie. Most the, definitely. The Charlie Sheen relationship that he has to Marlon Brando's character, mm-hmm. where he's almost going on um, an unconquerable journey 
uh, to to meet and to confront this person from not you know in Ad Astra's case it is from Brad Pitt's past yeah Tommy Lee Jones as his father and Apocalypse Now it's somebody who Martin Sheen the Marlon Brando character someone he doesn't know no. but that he feels so uh, similar to right and he is almost alone on this mission up the river in Vietnam. He's thinking differently than everyone else than that's everyone on this else. mission. And so it's almost like he's alone on that boat. And and so I love that pick. That's a great pick, right? And I will say, too, that connection, almost a similar underlying thing of almost the same ending, too, as far as when Correct. they get to that person, they deal with them, it's, it's not what they expect, and it's not what they hoped for. And it is almost the negative that comes out of that is that reconciliation that they get on the way home. Yes. So... Yes. Awesome connection. I love that. I well, didn't. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> As with the theme, I'm going to be isolated in my uh, thoughts on this movie. I did not care for this film at all, and probably because now that you're talking about how Brad Pitt has to act and think differently than everyone, I think he is such a robot that it just bored me to death. And yeah, and but you know thinking of it from that perspective he has a singular vision he is like he's doing i guess he i guess it worked on me like if i was a space captain or whatever i'd be like yeah go ahead you're fine get away from me (laughs) exactly if you're you're Lawrence fishburne and you get shot up on the dunglau bridge martin she doesn't care about you (laughs) sure he needs to find colonel kurtz (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely but uh yeah no uh and i love james gray lost city of z wonderful flick absolutely um but uh, yeah, that I, I and, and like and like I said to that point, thing. it is a slow burn. It, it is. It's one it's of those I burn. have not watched it a second time because I know what it takes to get through right, it. Correct. So, yeah. but like I said, as far as isolation goes, boom, it was one of the first movies that popped into my mind. So my number five is a 2018 film titled Climax. <laughs> Noe, and it just features a bunch of dancers that they get together in an empty kind of school sort of it's like a boarding school slash community center you're not really sure where they are uh, but it's on a cold winter night that much is known and they're kind of celebrating their last uh, rehearsal for their big performance um, and and so there's kind of a speech that's made at the beginning. You you sort of see the end of their dress rehearsal or their you know their their loose rehearsal, and then you and then a lot of action starts focusing on this bowl of sangria, and shortly after the attention of the audience is focused on that, you come to find out that it's for a reason. The punch has been spiked with LSD, and the twenty something people that you've just met are all loose cannons and so uh, this is kind of my cheat film as well where i'm taking the isolation film and even though these people are all stuck together in this nightmare you know that everyone is experiencing their own personal hell and that they even though are together like i'm saying and interacting with each other through a lot of the movie are all seeing things through their own lens they're they're uh battling their own demons this movie takes place in 1996, so kind of going back to what I said earlier, uh, you, you know, for anybody who's ever done a psychedelic drug, cell phones don't save a lot, but they can save a little. 
and and this is a movie that because it was set in 1996 it's perfect there's kind of no saving any of these characters their attitudes reflect that their lifestyle during the exposition scenes you kind of understand that these might not be the best people in the world and so you and that's that's a fun part of the movie honestly is the mystery of kind of trying to figure out who may have spiked the sangria that sort of led to this just hallucinatory nightmare uh the music's insane it's one of those films where you watch the movie and and honestly the director he lists everybody who's involved in the soundtrack in the main credits in the main credits as if they were an actor well and he did a very similar thing um i haven't seen this movie but i've seen another one of his which is called enter the void Mm -hmm. which is very drug heavily related it's all about two people basically escaping reality through drugs as they deal with things and like how you said if you've ever taken the hallucinatory uh, hallucinogenic drug music and the sound is a lot to deal with that so i can imagine the gravity that that adds to this movie when this is in like a dance theater right and also an unexpected environment that these people probably are borderline freaking out and right uh there's i mean this movie kind of has it all as far as you know your interpersonal nightmare there's lasting consequences this isn't a you know this movie doesn't match up with a lot of the other films on my list whereas like the isolation hits and then it uh reaches a boiling point and then that's it you're you know the the repercussions the ramifications are shown on screen in this film it's that one night and you're with them for that terrible terrible trip and you see what they're left to pick up the next morning and as an wow. audience member that's kind of the first moment where you're pulled out of the nightmare and so the entire time and that's a big thing that i tried to uh have with all my movies is that you are with the characters until the end or even past the end where you're you're as isolated or you're as confused as them and so that's why even though this film has a, a pretty big ensemble cast i had to include it that's the, awesome the I, I, i've seen i've seen fantastic. parts of that movie over here uh, at yeah. your place and it's uh it's definitely freaky and and definitely has that isolation i'm alone because i'm tripping and i'm going through my own shit and i don't know what's going on <laughs> and you don't yeah you don't and, and yeah there's just watch the movie it's on amazon prime go for it yep okay max number four number four we're just gonna get this out of the way it's a classic it's the thing if you're worried about me if we've got any surprises for each other i don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it is there it is uh from 1982 does that let's see does that make anybody else's list i purposely left it off because i figured max is going to talk about it because it's his favorite and i'm glad he put it on there because i didn't want us to not talk about it do you see the respect we have here (laughs) the floor is yours tell us about john carpenter's masterpiece what can we really say that hasn't ever been said about this this film i mean it's 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 uh set in the Antarctic. Uh, it's it's a group of uh, scientists and military guys out there, all alone, no communication. There's a storm coming in, and all of a sudden, an alien starts wrecking havoc on their base. Um, uh, it's it's the group isolation uh, concept, but also this alien is this shapeshifter that can take form of anything. Uh, whether it's an animal or a human. So there's also 
one-on-one or individual isolation as well because everyone thinks everyone is the You can't trust anyone, so you're by yourself. Right. Uh, But again, you know, it's it's got some of the greatest special effects of all time. It's one of the best horror movies of all time. Practical effects as well, too. That's the best part. That's the best part is it it feels real. The, The anomaly, the weirdness is like this is more unsettling because it looks so real. Where right. there's other movies during that time that went either too far or too less, and this one just, it just hits it on the head. Yeah, I mean, it could it could be, it will be on a lot of probably my top five lists for different <laughs> different uh, subjects, but uh, well, happy, happy to have it on great here. Film, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably my favorite, one of my favorite, top, yeah. I mean, one of the, I mean, not, not like spoiler one. alerts, but... Uh, the the ending it was Kurt Russell and Keith David leaving at the end and you still don't, don't know. know and like they both accept that and they're just and that's that's the end yeah I mean the the crazy thing about this movie that it, it can cross genres with with two that are so similar that you wouldn't actually think that are that close but it's an apocalypse movie. Mm-hmm. while being an isolation movie because of what you just said yeah where the ramifications of them leaving mcmurdo not knowing if one of if them one of them could be they, quote unquote, the thing and they even bring it up that's during the, the movie that's the too. end of humanity mm-hmm. there's there's that computer analysis later where they're like if this gets to the mainland within like weeks the human population is decimated correct yeah. yes so yeah. it's that, it's that idea yeah. where all of them at least have that like it can't leave here and then it ends with them just being like, "All right, it's it's yeah. a great pick. I knew it would get brought up. I'm happy you were the one to talk about it. We it, loved we love John Carpenter. Absolutely. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, turn this podcast off and go watch and it. go watch <laughs> it. Yeah, you heard Grant talk about the the uh, prequel, prequel. Yeah, last, last week. week. Absolutely, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So obviously we're fans. The only reason that that movie made my list is because of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's a good connection, but this sets the precedent. Absolutely. All right, Grant. Number four. Number four is. A little bit of a loose fit, but I think it, it does kind of fit into this. Um, a movie I've talked with you guys about before, a movie called Locke. I want you to watch. Do you know, in fact, I would like to take a fucking shuffle and take you up out of the fucking ground and make you watch me tonight. Uh, directed by, uh, written and directed by Stephen Knight, who created Peaks and Blinders, Taboo. Um, the most mo- other movie he's most famous for is Eastern Promises. Um, the cinematographer is Harris Zamberlakis who is a weird anomaly for him doing this because he's done big things like Thor, the Cinderella remake. He did the new Artemis Fowl on Disney+, Plus, where this movie for a cinematographer is entirely located inside a car. It's just multiple angles inside Tom Hardy driving a car, having phone conversations. And on paper, that sounds like a terrible movie, but then this movie just... You just want to see what happens next. It's super engaging. Yeah. yeah. You just want to hear, like, it's it's this construction project manager that is leaving the biggest project of his life to go somewhere. And you don't know where he's going, but it's important. And it's to go see this girl that isn't his wife, because we talked to his wife, played by Olivia Coleman before she won the Oscar. Um, also, Tom Holland um, has a, a small role in it. Andrew Scott has a small role in it. Ben Daniels, who is, I think, one of the most underrated actors that are out there, who you may know from Rogue One and House of Cards. Like, this guy's, he, when he's in it, he shines. Steals, steals um, the scene. Yeah, and it's just this great movie of just, and how I said earlier about Through Isolation, technology is your connection. He is alone in his car for this two-hour drive as he's going somewhere, 
And even though all these problems in his life, conversation with his wife, conversation with the people that he's leaving behind, a job that they can't do without him, but he trusts them enough to do it without him and has to convince them of such, as he's heading towards a problem that we don't know till about two-thirds of the way through the movie, is just, it, it, it just hit me hard of, this dude's alone. So many people are relying on him, but there's something driving him to this thing. And it's it comes down to the putting your preferences aside and your morals, let them shine through. Be, I hate saying this word, but be a man. Be a man, do the things you think you, you know you have to do, even though you don't want to do them. And it just kind of puts them in that situation of he has to isolate himself from his, everyone else to go do this thing. And I don't want to spoil anything because it's a big part of the movie, but it's just this, it's just a great character, like, development. It's a great shot of Tom Hardy where they, the dude is just a phenomenal actor. I mean, you look at Dark Knight Rises, what he just does with his eyes and his voice, you remove half of his face, what this guy can do. You sit this guy in a car and let him talk on the phone for two hours and the guy just knocks it out of the park. Uh, It is, yeah. This he's one, an A-lister. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. think I think he's definitely cemented himself as an A-list actor. And I think this movie and a couple he did before it kind of projected him towards that. It's kind of like, okay, here's this guy that's an action star. Have him sit in a car and talk for two hours, and it's still a great movie. It's kind of funny. I feel like he's such a good actor. People you know, would say he's such a good actor. I could watch him just take phone calls in a car. <laughs> Guess what? He does it. Hey, there's a movie. And, and it's Let's great. Let's green light it. And it's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely my top four. A great movie, especially dealing with just being a human and having multiple things, balancing your personal life, your work life, and then also other problems that you have. And it does a great job of, even though he, d- you can tell through the entire time, he doesn't want to be doing what he's doing, but he knows he has to because of what the future will hold. And I, I think that's just, especially of like dealing with isolation, dealing with COVID. You don't want to sit at home, but you know that if you do, we'll probably all get out of this here pretty soon. Right. The backseat of the car is not the worst place in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's my number four. All right. Well, my number four is the 2007 film Funny Games. Well, we have a lot of steak, but we might be expecting guests. And they definitely eat eggs for breakfast. You'll still have four left. It's a box of the dozen, isn't it? Or am I mistaken? No, you're not mistaken. And I chose the 2007 uh, version, directed by Mikkel Haneke, um, because it's the American version. And I love the Austrian version. I own it. Shout out to Criterion Collection. Guys did a great job. But this has Naomi Watts, Tim Roth, and Michael Pitt in it. And you give me those three people in 2007 and i'm in which is basically where i found myself as a 17 year old (laughs) and (laughs) and i've shown this movie to countless people at family cabins on vacations and they've all hated me for it because this film never ever you never want to go on vacation again basically after watching this this movie um it's a shot by shot remake like i said from uh, the same director, uh, he he did the same film back in nineteen ninety seven. Okay, but just in Austria, uh, he he redid it in two thousand seven for American audiences. 
The story, the storytelling devices in this movie, Max, I know you've seen it. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. I have not. No. Um, are phenomenal. They break the fourth wall, and I don't think I've ever seen the fourth wall broken in a film other than like Ferris Bueller when he he tells people how he's faking sick. Like that's phenomenal. I was gonna, I was gonna say like I've never seen it done well. It's besides it, it Ferris Bueller, and then Deadpool is like a, a by itself because that's its own thing. But that's like part of it. Yeah. Usually, when someone breaks the fourth wall, it doesn't go well. It just it doesn't right. Yeah. There's there's parts in this film where they are about to commit despicable acts, and you can't believe that they're gonna happen because of what you've you know just seen transpire on film, and then they turn. To you, the audience member, Michael Pitt's character specifically, and literally says, oh, but you don't want to see that happen, do you? Because you're rooting for them. And it is just the biggest mindfuck where you're just like, oh shit, I'm stuck in this house with you. You are, no matter what happens for the next hour and 15 minutes, you're in control. There's literally a part where they they grab a DVD remote off the couch and rewind part of the movie for you. It is phenomenal as far as trapping you in one location. And it's not even a location. It's a neighborhood. And the neighborhood that they choose to film this uh, movie in is the Southamptons. And so us growing up in a pretty affluent neighborhood, us knowing what you know wealth and how safety might, you know. Yeah correlate with that this movie shatters it you are not safe all it takes is a few dapper young gentlemen who know how to play golf and your life's over <laughs> and and that's a real scary well, thing then, i think well, then for I, a lot of people not only now but back in 2007 and also back in 1997 from what i can gather just from that i would say it feel but it sounds like they're that turning point of when you like he turns to the camera and says oh you want that to happen because of this is a more popular movie but vice where there's that scene of where the daughter comes out and dick cheney is just like yeah i accept you and the credits start rolling and then it cuts back to jesse plevin's character being like yeah that's not how that happened and all of a sudden you're like oh okay you're like thrown back to reality and realize this isn't a movie this is life kind of thrown in your face it's i i like we said, it's very rare that it's done well, but when it is, it can be so impactful. And in this film, I mean, I've literally been with people, I've been showing, screening them the film, they have hated it throughout 45 minutes of it, and then that scene happens, and it's like the the light switch goes off, Captivate. and they just go, oh shit, this filmmaker is on another level. Yeah. They know that I was already thinking this, they're commenting on it now what's going to happen next. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen. And so, like I said, it's it's a fantastic film that has to do with isolation in, in the purest sense. You know, you're stuck in a house and then you're stuck in this neighborhood. There, there's not a whole lot of, lot of psychological drama going on, but it's a fantastic film that deals with isolation. I also think the, uh, you know, the rewind uh, trick also kind of makes you feel... Uh, as an audience member isolated like i'm stuck in this movie right yeah yes yeah, yeah. i've already seen it go this way and now we're going back and we're going to see it a different way like, because oh, i'm supposed wait. to see it in this one way that i don't want to see it in yeah. basically yeah. build yeah. build build some anxiety yep. as you're yep. watching it absolutely yep all right max you're number three number three so if if the thing is the greatest in my opinion the greatest isolation alien sci-fi movie on earth Mm-hmm. 
then Alien is the greatest yes. isolation alien movie in space. Cargo and ship destroyed. I should reach the frontier in about six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo. Um, nineteen seventy nine. Am I correct on that? You are. Yeah, nineteen seventy nine. Uh, Ridley Scott film, Alien. Again, another classic. A lot has been said about this film. Uh, I'm sure most everyone's seen it. Uh, it's about a a pretty much a space truckers who are out uh, in the middle of space, flying around. They're on their way back to Earth after. What, digging up oil or something? Some but sort this, of... this is a 1980s film, basically, that yeah. was filmed, though, to be, like, in 2040. Right, right. Yes. Uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, in the, in the distant future. Um, well, I guess not but so. like, 2,140 I was going to say, yeah, I think yeah. 2049 is the actual year, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't, yeah, I, I, I think crazy, that's, yeah. I'm 20, throwing yeah, that out there. Yeah, 2040 or something. Okay, So, regardless. So it's about, about this, this group of, of space truckers who are, are on their voyage home, and they get a uh, distress signal uh, from a planet that no one's ever been on, uh, LV-426. Uh, and, and so they have to go down, and because protocol says if there's a distress signal, you have to go check it out. Because I guess we haven't still haven't found life, other life in the galaxy, is what I'm guessing. I mean, we have artificial intelligence, but we know right. we can't. We haven't found life yet. Okay, yeah. I'm Anyways, it's a good they, it's a good they find an pick. alien, and alien gets onto the ship, starts picking off everybody one by one. Uh, huge isolation. The the tagline is "No one can hear you scream in space." Uh, Probably the most isolated themed tagline for a film absolutely. of all time. Uh, they do a great job of, of making you feel, you know, confined and claustrophobic in this ship, especially, you know, when that character Dallas goes into the vents. The alien is, it, it's great design, of course, it's classic. Uh, practical. Just practical. Just a wonderful, wonderful film. Again, if you haven't seen this one, put it on right after the thing. And, uh, and you've got two great alien sci-fi isolation movies. They'd take place on two of the, you know, there couldn't be more distinct uh, locations. You're Absolutely. On, you're in the Antarctic, but, and then yeah. you're out in outer space. It's a great double yeah. feature, actually, that one. It no, actually it, is. What's now, the, the, the more you talk about it, like, <laughs> I kind of want to watch both those back to yeah. back when I go home tonight. <laughs> like, does the alien leave uh, LV whatever and go to Antarctica? Is that what happens? I mean, if Interstellar taught us anything, time is relative as when you're out in space. So, like, it could be. Who knows? Yeah, like it. but yes, no. I, I feel like that's a movie that I mean we're gonna hit on honorable mentions. Well, later, but yeah, and also to we that we all want to put the alien it's, on our list. That's, it's no yeah. one can hear you scream in space. Come yeah. on, it sparks one of the greatest sci-fi horror, probably the greatest sci-fi horror franchise of all. I mean, yeah, granted, there's some in it that aren't that great, sure. but then even you get to Prometheus, and then most recently Alien Covenant yeah. that are boilerplate you boil them down still entertaining movies awesome. when awesome you like movies. that franchise so and you know what to be honest when lockdown started and we were all isolating I ran through the whole Alien there series there you go yeah because you know what it made I me mean feel... when you look at the the filmmakers that are involved in that franchise mm-hmm. it's, absolutely it's Ridley Scott it's 
Jim Cameron. Jim Cameron. Jimmy Cameron. Jim Cameron did number two. Baby yep. David Fincher. Baby yeah. David Fincher. On number three. Yep. And he, he... Bing, bang, boom. I mean, I'm not the biggest James it. Cameron fan, but he you de- can't argue with Alien 2. it. Fincher does not. He wishes that he could do that over, but at the same time, it was still David Fincher. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Uh, widely regarded that Alien 3 is way better than Aliens. And, oh, yeah, listen, I mean, listen, this is... No, this no, is no, no, no. This okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. one of the greatest action movies of all time. <laughs> This will be tabled for a very future. <laughs> there we go. Uh, episode. Put, a, put yeah. a little put a little earmark yeah. in this conversation <laughs> here. Bookmark us talking about aliens. Yeah. All right, Grant, you're number. Well, this three. is this is great. This is great that he talked about alien because it goes into another Ridley Scott movie, um, which is my number three, which is The Martian. Luckily, I'm a botanist. Mars will come to fear my botany powers uh directed by ridley scott written by drew goddard who did cabin in the woods dare uh he did the daredevil series on netflix cloverfield bad times of the Royale. so great writer behind it uh cinematographer darius wolski a guy that has worked with ridley scott further with prometheus alien covenant randomly did sweeney todd in one of the pirates movies so talented dude talented cast i mean matt damon just nails it as a dude isolated on mars i think one of the reasons why i like this movie so much is i read the book before i saw the movie and my favorite part about the book oh, that's great is the very first line written by andy weir who is v- heavily involved with the guys writing it um the very first line in the in the book is i'm fucked and it just sets the president of who this character is he's smart he's aware of his surroundings he knows what he's doing he knows he's isolated he, from the second he's stranded on Mars from not making it back to a ship in time, he immediately is thinking a game plan ahead. So it's one of those of a situation is thrown at you rather than react, like, like acting toward it, he reacts to it. He is proactive. He starts doing all this stuff. But at the same time, throughout it all, through all the, all the success and failures he has throughout, he's able to survive on Mars for how long like this substantial amount of time the best part about the movie is that you know spoiler alert he makes it home um but when he gets home that scene when he's falling to earth and everything starts just waving back at him and he's realizing he's about to go dying yeah almost like the just the emotions the crying like everything about it is it's kind of like maybe something we haven't felt yet you know we felt we've gotten forward in in covid and in these phases and all that but it's just like him just accepting this isolation he has, moving forward with it, and then getting to a point of falling back home, almost to an extent, too, where as he's falling back home, he thinks he's not going to make it. He thinks he's going to die there. So all that, so it's almost like I've always viewed it as it's almost a rebirth as he gets back to Earth. He has all this experience and all this different stuff, but the writing, the storytelling of him by himself. I mean, great supporting cast too. I mean, you get Jessica well, I, Chastain. You're interpreting it the exact way I think that Ridley would want no, you to exactly, interpret it. Exactly. And then like it, it, the movie itself has to cut to other people. So you have the supporting cast of Jessica Chastain, Kristen Wiig, Kate Mara, Sean Bean, Jeff Daniels. Donald Glover has a small role. Where Clearly just, people want to work with Ridley. Yeah, Benedict yeah, Wong. Like, in this movie. Yeah, it's this great cast of them to where it's a great story of like, all right, this guy's stuck. Here's people trying to bring him home, and this is how he gets home. But the fact that you have this entire cast, you have this entire supporting cast, and their only thing is, they're how he gets home. 
he is the story by himself. How does he survive all this? Well, so the the fascinating thing about this film, which I can relate to another film that made uh, my honorable mentions, is there's Matt Damon, there's a guy like Tom Hanks in Castaway, mm-hmm. and there's maybe two or three other actors in Hollywood that you can do this with, where you can build a great, it's a one yep. man show, build yeah. a great supporting cast for about forty minutes of the film, but then for an hour. You put this person on screen by themselves, little to no music, and you let them work. Well, and then it just go- just put them in the kitchen and whatever they want to cook, give it to them. And I think what this movie does a lot to make that work is what I said before: is the technology base. He has this thing he talks to the entire time. It's him him recording he his, his log missions. He has his how. There's no one that talks back to him. There's there's that moment where they can start sending. Im- or like he can start sending right, images right, to right. the other people but like him just recording and talking to himself in the book it is the entire it's told from his mind essentially it's him thinking it's not him talking so yeah. in the movie with him also being the narrator rather than just seeing him it puts you in the mind of him and they're like like you said one man show matt damon knocks it out of the goddamn park i say that phrase all the time but it's like <laughs> <laughs> but like seriously like it is, it is, no, uh, it, Matt Damon just, he's incredible in that, and, yeah. No, definitely a wonderful film. I, I totally watched it, uh, for this, this section. It, it's, as, it's my, as did I. It's yeah. on my honorable mentions. Great, great flick, and like you said, Matt, Matt Damon doing the one-man show thing, cast away in space. I mean, I mean, the whole thing about taking his poop and turning it into, like, <laughs> potatoes and water, it's just like... Like, it's just a great, it's just a great cycle. I mean, it's, you, I don't know what it is. It's so captivating watching him just being like, all right, I'm stuck here. How am I going to survive? Not to spend too much time on a Ridley Scott movie, but I'm sorry. Um, The tough thing about watching this film for the first time, at least for me, but then I did like what you're saying, Max. Mm -hmm. I rewatched it actually for this podcast um, for the first time since seeing it for the first time. And it was really tough just knowing the awards, the nominations, at least, that it garnered when it first came out. And I thought, almost kind of like a, a cynical Spike Lee fan, where I thought, don't let it be this one. Let's not, <laughs> like, come on, Ridley, he's done Gladiator. He's right. Done, he's done Alien. He's done Blade Runner. Don't give him director for The Martian. But then I rewatched The Martian, and I'm like, eh, if he wins for The Martian, yeah, he wins it's, for not Martian. That yeah. it's not that bad. No, it's not that bad. Yeah, and uh, I, I was surprised to where, like, hearing that it was a Ridley Scott movie, because it almost has a very different tone than a lot of his other movies. Oh, sure. Including, I mean, I mean obviously you can't compare, compare Gladiator to Alien, and, like, this is set in space, too, but it's a completely different feel from a lot of what he does. But then also... After you watch it, you're like, yeah, that was a Ridley Scott film. Yeah. Like, that was Ridley. I, I think that also has to do a lot with, with Matt Damon and oh, absolutely. his, his charming screen persona. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And absolutely. his one man showness that he is able to do. And like you said, there's only a few actors who could probably. Pull it's that off. it's yeah. very rare, I think, especially from our point of view, to look at a movie as an actor's movie rather than the director's movie. And Martian, to me, is that is a Matt Damon movie mm-hmm. that Ridley Scott directed. Like, it was Matt Damon made yeah. it his own. He became that character, and especially from someone that read the book, Matt Damon did it exactly how I read it. Like how I read that character, how the like how he would emphasize certain things. That it was exactly it. 
And it was for, so for me, it was almost a perfect representation. Well, clearly we all really like The Martian. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Damon and Ridley Scott to be, yes, uh, to be specific. Um, So I will just quickly go through my number three because I believe it's probably also something that everyone hopefully have seen or has seen. It's Rear Window. But you're not. Look, in the whole courtyard, only one person didn't come to the window. This oh, is, yes. yes. This is Alfred Hitchcock's 1954 classic. It's just it's about a wheelchair-bound photographer who spies on his neighbors from his apartment window and becomes convinced that one of them has committed a murder. I I can't imagine a more relatable theme during quarantine right now where I have watched my neighbors grab their mail Far too many times than I like to admit. I have watched my neighbors walk their dogs, just drive their cars around the block. I don't know why. I've seen my neighbors do the weirdest shit in the last three months. And so rewatching Rear Window the other day just brought back so much of, you know, everything that I think of when I think of being stuck in isolation. Uh, it's summertime right now, so we're going through a heat wave. Jimmy Stewart in this whole movie, not only does he think his neighbor has committed a murder, he's sweating his ass but off. he's sweating his ass <laughs> off because it's like ninety five fucking degrees in New York City <laughs> the entire movie. Uh-huh. As we're all like puffing our shirts right yeah. now, it's like the like, like, AC <laughs> Literally, yeah. Oh yeah, and he's just like you can imagine the cast, what the cast technology was. Yeah, what is age the worst is clearly cast technology. Well, in he's the wearing 1950s. a he's wearing a thick bathrobe and a cast oh, most of the movie. Like he's the guys... in like silk night suits. I'm like, put a wife beat on. Yeah, like come on, man. Throw some... Grace Kelly won't care. Like put some silk shorts on. You are fine. Uh, but yeah, it's it's ridiculous. That's another thing that I love in this movie uh, that is really kind of tied into the isolation theme is the relationship between uh, James Stewart and Grace Kelly. It's it's freaking hilarious. It's fascinating. It's awesome. It's so 1950s where you have just like the way older guy who couldn't, you know, like he's probably near 50. Grace Kelly's probably 25, 27, something like that. (laughs) And somehow like, oh, he's a photojournalist. So... He can pull some runway model, basically, from the streets of New York or whatever. <laughs> but she's about it. She loves him. They have a fight during one scene. And because this is during tough times, it's like a blackout in New York. He's quarantined to his couch. They get in a fight. She goes, I'm not going to see you for a long time. <laughs> At least until tomorrow night. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Tomorrow night feels so far away right now during quarantine. Yeah, so absolutely. I, so I get it. Like, it's hilarious, some of that stuff. And just the prescribed isolation behind the whole movie, where it's 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 not like what we're going through right now, technically, because it's not like we broke our leg and, right. we're, and we're stuck on it's, the couch. He's physically unable to go somewhere. He can't go out. The rest of the world is still functioning. Exactly. It's still happening. Right. And that's almost his uh, he's demise. He's isolated in being isolated. Right, right. That's his demise. Is He's isolated, and so he gets to watch what the rest of society does. Mm-hmm. And that's just a fascinating take, I feel like. Because right now, we're all kind of feeling what Jimmy Stewart's feeling in this film. Looking but, at the rest of the world being but in this but okay. in 1954, this was triggering so many people's imagination as to just like what are my neighbors doing? Right. 
which I just love. I'm surprised by the ending every single time. I've probably seen this movie 15 times. Every single time I can't imagine. I, I don't remember. It's crazy. I don't remember if he's thought it up in his head or if the neighbors actually committed a murder. Yeah. And so it's fantastic. You just, it's so much fun. That's a sign I of I can't recommend movie. it enough. Good luck trying to find it. Visit your local half price books. <laughs> like, <laughs> Rear Window's probably tough to come by nowadays. I honestly. But hopefully you've seen it. It's a fantastic film. I honestly think it's on HBO Max right now because of their uh, partnership with TCM. I almost am positive it is on HBO Max. Then run it back. So if you got HBO, jump on that movie. Yes, absolutely. All right, we're getting to the nitty gritty. Max, you're number two. Number two. And I just realized uh, I had a documentary last week. and Is this what I think it is? I'm doing another documentary right now. Let's go. 2005. Grizzly bear. Yes! I found a high Well, I'm here with one of my favorite bears. It's Mr. Chocolate. Hey, Mr. Chocolate. He's been with me for over a decade, and he's been my good friend. Oh, he's a big bear. He's a big bear. I cannot believe I didn't think of this. Yes! (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is Uh, fantastic. Oh, my gosh. I love this movie. Excellent movie uh, about a This is why we don't share our list. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A grizzly bear activist who for 13 years would go up to like Kodiak Island up in Alaska from May until September and live with grizzly bears by himself. And he would just film himself and like the, and interact with these bears. And he like, this is like an isolation movie where, where isolation kind of takes over his mind and he thinks he is a bear and it ends in tragic tragic form. yes um timothy treadwell oh no, there, there's timothy a treadwell. there's a archetypal character to this you know dark documentary film character oh absolutely where you understand what he set out to do and probably where this is gonna go yeah and it's uh i, I just think it's a perfect uh example of of real life isolation of someone choosing to be isolated uh and and choosing a a life away from people because it's more more comfortable to them well and a lot of it is the guy uh, tries to make it in hollywood and is uh, like part of the story is he was supposed to be the woody harrelson character in cheers yeah and then they decide like they're up until like the last second they decide on woody harrelson over him and then that's the beginning of him saying i don't like people i want to get away from them and he goes up to alaska and then it sparks this 13 year journey and it's like and i i will just say real quick there's this awesome scene it's directed by warner herzog Mm -hmm. who's one of the greatest documentary narrators of all time (laughs) there's this one shot of like timothy treadwell trying to like talk like because he's filming himself trying to make a nature documentary while he's up there and he has this line where he's just saying like you know, the foxes are going to their dens, the bears are retreating, and he's like doing this nice thing, and then he hears a plane fly over and it triggers something where he's like, because I'm the only one here that's giving a shit about these animals. And he starts going off, and then Warner Herzog starts talking over him. He's like, as you can see, Timothy gets very emotional about this while you still see like no sound, but Timothy Turtle just like, like fist pumping, just like pointing at his camera, trying to compose himself. And like the dude's one of the most emotional people you'll ever meet. But then his connection with these animals year after year, he has names for him. Mm-hmm. These foxes, these bears will come back to him. The connection he has with him is unbelievable. Yeah. So, like, sorry to mean to like hijack. No, 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 quick, no, 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 but great. I just, uh, yeah, I'm it's a great did, documentary. Did you rewatch this for, for our podcast? Or oh yeah. I this? think I watched okay. this. 
watch. I probably watch the Sacramento at least once a year. Oh, okay. It's Great. it's it's it fantastic. So fun. Yeah. Uh, not fun, but it's just it's so interesting. And and Timothy Treadwell as a because at first you're kind of like, wow, th- maybe this guy's kind of putting on a show, but really he's just an odd person, uh, and and he loves being alone and being isolated. Uh, and it's 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 just an interesting interesting uh, look into what isolation can do over a long period of time. Absolutely. Well, because a hundred percent from in that documentary when we see Timothy for the first time and the earliest recording that they get a hold of versus when he is years and years into this, two vastly different people. Yeah. He's way more calm, way more collected in the beginning, and then once he's in there, it's he is almost himself like he finds himself out there and then like you said it ends in tragedy which is unfortunate but also it's what he wanted it's what he did he did it on purpose he kept doing this thing and absolutely um i i put that in uh, i don't know if when we will get to our list of top five documentaries that is definitely in my list of oh, top absolutely. five documentaries it is phenomenal great great cross-pollination though Ooh. max good good call um, all right, Grant, your number two. My number two is uh, something you mentioned earlier as far as one of your honorable mentions. It is a huge classic for me. One of my family's favorite movies. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, we would watch it every 4th of July. It was just our thing. Castaway. Um. Yeah! Yeah! Look what I have created! I have made fire! I... Ah, nice. Yes. Robert... Nice. Just the uh, you know not bury the lead, but Castaway is is my number one. There you oh, okay. go. Okay, okay. So, so so here we go. go. Ahead. Opening a great discussion here. Um, great discussion coming. Up. Directed by Robert Zemeckis. I yield the floor to you. <laughs> there you guys. go. Directed by Robert Zemeckis, who did like the Back to the Future movies, Catch Me If You Can, Flight. He's done things throughout the years. The guy's classic. Uh, the writer is William Boyd Jr., who also works with him a lot. Apollo thirteen, Entrapment, Polar Express, which was also Zemeckis. Obviously, uh, Tom Hanks as well. Right. Um, this is one of my favorite notes about it. Uh, the cinematographer is Don Burgess, who has done things from Polar Express to Flight to The Book of Eli to The Conjuring 2, and now most recently Aquaman. So a cinematographer that's just across all over, uh, all over the place. Um, but, I mean, the quintessential isolation movie. A guy by himself. From the time he crash lands to the time he talks to Wilson for the first time is like a 40-minute difference. Like, Tom Hanks just being himself, talking to himself. I, Like I said at the beginning of this, I spent the first month living with my parents. And then after that, I left and went and stayed in my tiny studio apartment by myself. And I started getting to a point where I would be watching movies and, like, talking to the screen. Like, I'd just be like, no, what are you doing? Get out, like, come on. So, like, I think... Became your Wilson. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, like, I think there's a point where, in, no matter what level of isolation, you find... You crack a little bit. And right. one of my favorite scenes in this movie is the first line he has to Wilson is when he's making the fire. And it's he says it under his breath, and then he yells it at Wilson of just, the air got to it. The air got to it, and it's just it, like it's it's so good because you you're there with him. You're frustrated. Mm-hmm. You you want to see him succeed. You want to see him survive and do these things. And also, I mean, Tom Hanks losing the weight and growing his hair out for the role just for that. Doing all these things. I mean, it was a movie I felt ahead of its time uh, as far as acting goes. There's weren't a lot of actors that were doing weight transformations and committing 
Um, there weren't directors that would wait months to right. let the actor do that mid filming. They filmed the they almost they filmed it in order. They filmed the first part, then let him get skinny, then let him get like back like stocked up again, right. just so there was that that medium. Um, it's just one of those movies of you talk about isolation, you talk about being by yourself. There is no other movie that I feel like hits that point. Except for my number one, which I'll talk about later. But Castaway <laughs> is just, to me, it's classic. It's one of my absolute favorites. Max, Absolutely. why was that your number one? Uh, well, as we said earlier with, with you know The Martian being Castaway in space, I feel like Castaway, at least from, from 2000 when it came out, is the quintessential uh, blueprint of an isolation movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're talking about that, that first 45 minutes where he's on the, on the island by himself. There's also no music going on, yes. which I think also really plays in to uh, to an isolation and, and being actually on an island all by yourself. Um, whereas, you know, something with Climax, like you were talking about earlier, where the music's playing huge into the drug effect. It's this, part of, it's a character. Yeah, yeah, this is almost the exact opposite, where it makes the island 100%. a character. Oh, and yeah. pretty much the, the only ice other skates, character. The ice skates are a character. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah, then, that, yeah, the, the scene objects. with the rock and the yeah, ice, yeah. like, come on. Well, yeah, and then uh, to that, uh, the dead pilot yeah. showing up. Him, that's a thing of, like, realization for him of, I'm alone. I'm, I'm alone. I'm not getting out of here. And also the fact that it's a family movie, but then it deals with that whole point of him testing the rope on that lock mm-hmm. and like trying to hang himself. The the him accepting the fact of there is no way off. Yeah. Death is not an option. Getting off the island is not an option until he finally is able to con- like construct a raft, which well, he tries several times. I think that I think that what you're saying kind of all comes back to uh, the similar theme of like seeing seeing the isolation through the main character's eyes. Right. This is the best movie that does that. Well, I feel like it, where you are alone with him on that island, it, you're almost wanting Wilson to talk back mm-hmm. as bad as he is. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of my favorite notes about that movie is once he's on the island, it never cuts back to the real world until he gets there. Mm-hmm. You are Correct. on yeah. the island and with like him. And like Max said, no music as well yeah. on the island. Yeah. yeah, I think I've watched it so many times where I start to answer as Wilson. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, you know, says a little bit about my mental state. But <laughs> but I think it also, I, I it's comforting. Like, I want, like you were saying. You're trying to comfort Tom my, Hanks's character. Yeah, I'm trying to comfort almost. Tom Hanks. I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to comfort myself. You can make like, those lashings. You can. <laughs> yeah. You know where there's extra rope. There, Go get it. How, yes. many, how many real characters have we seen die on screen that had less of an emotional attachment to us than watching Wilson Thousands. float away? Oh. Like, oh. that was heart-wrenching. Yes. However, I will say, he might have been able to get Wilson. He could, he could have, he could have maybe swam. He's got a couple good, like, but how drained brush, brush strokes. I will he say could this: go for the back backstroke too, as well for the you know if you really got to get to him. Then again, I just got back from floating the river one day in Leavenworth, and I was physically drained as gassed. A, like, yeah, okay. So imagine him being on that raft. Right. Like, do I swim out and get <laughs> this guy, or do I stay here safe? But no, exactly. Like, it's one of those. It, it, it hurts watching him float away. And it's a volleyball. Well, and so not to step on any uh, future episodes, but as are most Tom Hanks movies, this film does have a semi-happy ending to it. True. Which 
is I think what kept it off my list yeah. is because of what I feel like isolation should ultimately end in. Yeah. It, it, as far as kind of like a cinematic tale sure. goes. Before it gets to that happy ending, I think one of the notes I had is I love the part of him being assimilated back and how we are kind of... The way he is, too. Yeah, true. And also how, like, we're kind of on the cusp of that to where we're still in this limbo of we have these restrictions, but we can go do things, but then watching other people not do things the way that we are doing them. Like when he picks up the lighter. Yeah, when he picks up the lighter. Just be like, and he kind of, like, scoffs at it. It's kind of like that idea, like... I mean, hello, the guy sits down in, like, a G4 jet. <laughs> yeah, and he's, like... After just being on an island right. for four years. So it's kind of like... like... I think that was a great note of him coming back and seeing how no one was... Not no one, but, like, how him being gone wasn't a, an, an effect to people to where we are... Here we are, and there's some people that don't want to wear masks, and they don't want to quarantine, they don't want to socially distance, and it's kind of like feeling like we're on the outside well, looking in and even, it's like but wait no but we're we just went through this so like what are we doing even to take it a step further you know we're going back almost 20 years now i remember castaway being one of the first dvds that my family owned yeah and so even hitting like a start or, or i mean a play or a stop button on a remote control after watching this guy struggle on an island to survive. Yeah. You, you, even back then. Yeah, you, like you pause year, it. As an eight-year-old, I felt bad. I felt guilty. You're like pausing you know? it. It's like, oh, yeah. let me go to that. I was like, well, no, like, what's, what's happening? No, like, and also he's on too, the island. Uh, just to kind of wrap up the castaway conversation, the best uh, plane crash ever oh, filmed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, ever yeah. filmed. The most realistic. Absolutely. It's that in the gray. The, the, un- the underlying tone of time, too. Like, how he's so focused on time, and then he loses so much, and then at the end, he's not worried about it, is, I think, a, also a thing that we all have lost track of time during all of this. Oh, yes. And yes. where we all lived yeah. by a schedule, and then now it's like every day Saturday and Monday. Like, you know, like, what short, are we doing? There's a short weekend and a long weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. basically. All right, so that's a great number two. Um, I'm afraid that we're going to, it's just going to be me talking for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> Max has already relinquished his number one. I'm afraid this is going to be Grant's number one. But my number two is The Shining. Light of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. Excellent. And The Shining is a 1980 film. Is it Grant? It is not my number one. Okay, no. good. Great, great, great. Honorable mention for me. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I love this conversation, so, but not my number one. This is the Stanley Kubrick classic. Uh, the broad general sense for anybody who hasn't ever seen The Shining is that <laughs> a struggling writer takes a winter caretaking job at a hotel for the winter where some sinister presences reside. It's a little bit more than that. I'll leave it to you to watch it if you haven't seen it. What more can I say about The Shining that you haven't already seen for yourself? It's basically the best uh, depiction of not only a character descending into madness because of isolation, but also a a location driving a character into madness where there's external forces, but there's also internal forces. Mm -hmm. And that's my favorite thing about this movie. It's... I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are going to be like, why was this not your number one? Like, we know you. Why is this Shining not your number one? It is a great depiction of 
just inner psychosis, external psychosis. The the title cue cards in the film where they show you Monday, Tuesday. Yes. And then all of a sudden it's Thursday and then it's Monday again. And you're just like, what's, days. what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's going on? I'm starting to lose it as, you know, the Jack Nicholson character, the Jack Torrance character is losing it as well. And so there's just something about this film that it's the music, it's the the lore behind the film, mm-hmm. where you know that, you know, part of it was filmed down in Portland, which is awesome. The other part of it is filmed in Colorado, which has kind of a, a tie to me. Um, and then just, you know, it, Stanley Kubrick being crazy, demanding like 100 takes for some of the actors in some of these films, or in some of the takes. Uh, you have Jack Nicholson. I feel like at the height of his powers, absolutely, just, yeah. just absolutely as as expressive as a movie star can be. I mean, you can it's you can look through our list come the end of this, and you'll be hard pressed. Sure, Matt Damon's great, but Matt Damon's not going crazy and like hacking his family to pieces. On that, this is Jack Nicholson being like, sure, I'll do it. I'll go completely crazy for you. On that note, I highly recommend everyone listening to this to go on YouTube and just look up behind the scenes, Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. shining. There's a great scene of the the famous axe come to the on door, the oh, and, it, oh, and it's oh, him, and it's just it's yeah. just him behind screen, and he's just like high knees in place. He's just up. high knees in place. Every and then time. he grabs the axe and starts like air chopping it, and like you see an actor just kind of like get in that moment. There's key grips associate producers just walking in and out of frame like moving like it's nothing and here's jack nicholson who's literally just like holding his hands to his face being like ah ah like trying to hype himself up and it's like you said it is jack nicholson at the height of his well and so that's power his craziness that's something that he turned into an entire career because uh there's like uh, the joker falls right after the the shine that falls right after that and then there's like legendary stories about him on the set of a few good men yep where tom cruise is filming his like you can't handle the truth like uh dramatic scenes with uh, jack his close-ups where tom cruise jack nicholson did not need to be on set but Jack's like, I'll stick around just to do background, and yeah. I'm gonna go like 100 miles he, per hour just so Tom Cruise can like have that uh, inflection for the he did person this, reading back. He did the same thing with The Departed, to where he would film scenes and then go to Martin Scorsese and say, "But if you keep the camera rolling, what if I did this?" Yeah. And then it, it 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 bleeds into a lot of like Jack Nicholson adding to his own character, like. He almost, he's like method without being method. Like he gets into his character and it's like, right. but then what if my character did this? And they're like, oh yeah, that would actually be great. And at, like he just adds so much. And I think The Shining is the start of that. Like he really became Jack Torrance in those scenes. I mean, I think The Shining's, the, and that's a great way for me just to wrap this up. Nice and neat. The Shining's a great starting place for a lot of shit. Yeah. When it comes to movies Absolutely. and horror and Hollywood. And, and I mean, well, it's it's in the midst of Kubrick's heyday. It's sure. kind of him saying, I can step on somebody like Stephen King and you guys won't care. This is a beloved person in American pop culture. But that's the thing. If, if you want to dive into Kubrick's filmography, I think The Shining's a great starting point, even yes. though it's in the middle of it. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Because I, I feel like it, uh, it it might be his best, or his, his you know his masterpiece. It's his most visionary. Yeah, 
Well, Eyes Wide Shut might have something to say about that, but it's it's up there. It's up there with Eyes Wide Shut. Kubrick. Yeah, right. It's it's (laughs) right. Yeah, his hundredth birthday. (laughs) R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, it's uh, it's up there with one of the most visionary movies ever made. It's the first I feel epic horror film. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that there's been too many others made. You know, maybe Hereditary. There's a few others that kind of sneak into that category of severe family drama, mm-hmm. a lot of loss, a lot of grief. But The Shining just touches on so many uh, pressure points. Great, great, great experience to watch for the first time, especially if you don't know what's happening. So that's my number two. Quick Max, sh- Before we wrap it up, quick shout out to Shelley Duvall. For oh. being the opposite she of was... someone that's going through the same isolation that doesn't fall to that craziness and yeah. is almost is trying to hold things together, um, as she everyone was... else is responding to this isolation differently. Shelly Just had to throw Duvall, that out there. Yeah, yeah, no. Shout out, shout out, and RIP. <laughs> yeah, true. Shelly true. Duvall true. because of this movie. Yeah. Um, all right, so Max, your number one is Castaway. It's a great well, pick. Yep. Wilson. A great pick. Wilson. 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 <laughs> Um, we'll send it to Grant. So my number one, Your number one is. Uh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Do we have honorable mentions, Max? Oh yes, there we go. Uh, you know, a lot of my honorable mentions we've talked about. The Shining was one. Uh, the Martian okay. was one. Yeah. Um, those are kind of my my two big ones, I would say. Shining and the Martian. All my right, my man, before I, you reveal your number one. My two honorable mentions were Room with uh, Brie Larson Ooh. and uh, Timothy uh, Tremblay. I think is the little kid's name. Jacob. Uh, Jacob Timberlake. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, great, great movie. Obviously, you know, it's two people stuck in a room dealing with being kidnapped. A lot of and shit. Yeah, yeah, just a lot of stuff going on in that one. Um, another one, as we go to the post apocalyptic, was Book of Eli. Mm. Um, really liked the idea of the Eli character being alone, even though he met, met people, ev- sure. everyone he met, even uh, uh, Tom Waits' character, he kept his distance from. Like, he, right. he knew he was alone. Um, so yeah, those are my two honorable mentions. An apocalyptic one now just coming out of my mind right now. Uh, the Road. Oh, perfect. We yeah, really touched no, we, we a touched bit. a little bit on absolutely, but yeah, I absolutely. Think that's, that's another great uh, isolation. All right. Well, uh, uh, on my honorable mentions list, of course, I had uh, Alien and the Thing. Yeah, yeah, there you love go. Those. There you go. Um, and Castaway as well. Uh, the space theme. I, I haven't talked about a space movie yet, but I had two on my list: Moon and also Sunshine. Moon, mm. I, I feel like a lot of people have probably seen Moon, uh, but Sunshine is a great film, directed by Danny Boyle. It's like back in 2008 or something like that. Um, fantastic film, look it up. Uh, Swiss Family Robinson was kind of my fun film that, okay. I, th- that okay. I, I thought about including, but it's basically, it's just a live action Disney movie from the 60s where you have a shipwrecked family that are trying sure. to find, you know, uh, refuge from bad bad europe or whatever (laughs) and so they're on their way to papua new guinea and they just crash land on kind of a deserted island it's a fun movie and then max a film that if i if you didn't already know what my number one was you might be thinking this is my number one but the lighthouse i'd be remiss Uh, if i didn't just talk about the lighthouse one of the better movies to come out in the The, last year the lighthouse is one of the in my opinion one of the better movies to come out in the last five years Robert Eggers, I can't wait to see what else this guy has up his sleeve. It's this, it's The Witch, and I'm in for whatever the third one is. Um, Robert Pattinson is a movie star of the highest quality. So is Willem Dafoe. They play the same character in this film, not to spoil the entire movie, but I just did. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's fantastic. It's on Amazon Prime. Go watch it. It's isolation no, th- this, at its finest. That movie and Good Time, like if you think Robert Pattinson is just connected to twilight no. you have Get not that, seen stop, this guy turn act turn us off no yeah it is he he is i think one of the like most great up-and-coming actors and i don't even think he's up and coming like i think he's hitting his stride right oh, now he's here no, i mean he's here yeah no and you yeah. guys know me like i'm the superhero guy i can't wait to see him as bruce wayne in, in the batman especially it, can we. in, a, de- can in we. a detective noir setting like come on the guy's gonna knock it out of the park did you guys yeah. watch that trailer i sent over to you yes yeah, yeah, no the Netflix the the, uh, the devil all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like he it, he's gonna be phenomenal. Like the guy is just a good actor, and he's also an actor's actor. Like he he knows not to do too much or too little. Like he finds the sweet spot in everything he's in. Our generation hasn't had no. somebody like him. I mean, there was kind of a Ryan Gosling moment, but then we realized he was, like, a little bit older than us. Yeah. Robert Pattinson is us, and he is the guy who is doing, like, what Brad Pitt did. Exactly. Once. Character, like, he's a leading man taking character acting roles. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I can't wait to see what else he does. All right. All right, so my number one, uh, AMAC actually just briefly mentioned, is Moon. Can you turn that off? Listen, Listen, I wasn't supposed to. I'm. Ah! Um, huh? I'm trying to tell you something. Nice. Let's Sam. go. Uh, directed, you love the space ones. I love the space ones. I'm <laughs> telling you. Like, I love space movies. This is great. Uh, so, directed by Duncan Jones, who's only done four movies. He did Moon, Source Code with Jake Gyllenhaal, the Warcraft movie, and then Mute on Netflix with Paul Rudd. Source Code's underrated. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will do a podcast on Source Code. Yeah. No, it is. Uh, Source yes, Code's great. Jake very, Gyllenhaal. Very underrated. Yeah. Um, uh, he's working with two guys that he has worked with before or after this movie. Um, the writer, Nathan Parker, wrote with him on Mute. Cinematographer has basically only worked on Mute. So guys that have only done this. But it's just a movie about a guy mining stuff on the moon. He's by himself. He thinks he's on the cusp of going home. And as oh, he's, he's like a week away. As, as he's a week away from going home, he finds a downed rover. And he finds a person alive in it, brings him back, and it's him. And he just has to figure out what is going on. And this him is beyond crazy. Like, has, like, lost his mind. And so he's trying to figure out what's going on. And it's just, to me, is the quintessential isolation. You only have technology to talk to. And it's not even people back home. It's a computer played by Kevin Spacey. It's it's which has its own complications, right? I was gonna. <laughs> at least like, he's a computer. At least he's a computer. You know, like we don't need to get into all that, but also he's a monster. Um, <laughs> but but like Sam Rockwell to me, like I I've always loved Sam Rockwell, but this is a movie that I think set him apart from being the supporting actor. Mm-hmm. This is the movie that projected, and there is one scene where it's him and himself, and he's trying to have a conversation with himself, but the other one won't stop playing walking on sunshine and keeps dancing frantically and just how he can do both and interact in this movie. Like as soon as we talk about, like I was in isolation, I was like, I need to watch moon. I got 10 minutes into it. I was like, I can't watch this right now because I'm by myself. I don't know when I'm going to see another person. What same Rockwell am I? Yeah, exa- exactly. And yeah. it's just one of those, it's a, it's a mind trip movie of what the ending is. And it, I obviously don't want to spoil things, but it is, it, it's an insanely good movie for having 
three, four actors in it total. One of them is only a voice. It's just Sam Rockwell and a cinematographer and the director. Like, it's just three people on set, and they create one of the best indie movies I've ever seen in my life. And um, Sam Rockwell, you can put him in the company with Tom Hanks and Matt Damon. Yeah. Oh, one-man show. Yes, Absolutely. One man show. He, he is. Can, and he definitely carries he, the movie, and he's great. He's, he's an untraditional pick, but he's done it multiple times yeah. as well. He steals the show in multiple occasions. Seven Psychopaths. He's mm-hmm. the supporting to Colin Farrell steals the show for me three like he, billboards three billboards absolutely that yeah. i think i think that is i would say that's his best performance yeah um but the guy is just one of those you see him in things and he's always like oh hey it's sam rockwell and then in this movie you're like oh hey it's sam rockwell oh holy shit it's sam rockwell I, I, so okay so where do, just to divert real quick where do you guys stand on same actor playing themselves in a the movie like where does this stand Cause I'm a huge fan of Army Hammer and uh, oh, the Social Network. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. When it's done well, when it's done well, I think it's awesome. Tom when it's ha- done well, and it's and it's. Uh, each I, I know what you're about to say. Tom yeah. Hardy and Legend. Yeah, yeah. which each is character's different enough. Yeah. He's playing yeah. twins, so he's playing yeah. two different characters, but how vastly different they can be. You know who's the matriarch for this? Hmm. Lindsay Lohan and uh, <laughs> Parent Trap. Yeah. She started the snowball. She did. The split. She did. It's great. It's great. <laughs> she's great in that yeah yeah she she killed it no but uh, movies like that yeah there's always uh an extra kind of additive to the movie where you're just like i'm in it for this reason yeah and then if it's cool and thought-provoking on top of that awesome well the and i think the best thing for me about moon is when you're watching it you don't know if it's in his mind if it's a another person if it's a clone like you don't know because you're viewing it from his point which is he is so ready to leave but then this curveball gets thrown at him and he has like six days right and it's just okay who is this is this is this is he actually that guy and this is who he thinks he is or is it vice versa like it's just and like we've said that's that's the best uh case and scenario that these directors could imagine for an audience member when you know the third act hits its climax and you as the audience member don't know who's who right who should i be rooting for what's real what's not am i breaking out of this am i stuck here right and that's and that's what this all comes down to which leads me into my number one which is a fantastic film made in 1965 it's called repulsion it's directed by Roman Polanski. This is Carola Dew, young, beautiful, desirable. Men found her irresistible, but something is happening to her. Something that she doesn't quite understand. It's, it's The Shining told through a female's uh, POV, you know, yeah. to, to, to say the least, basically. So you have uh, just she, this woman has a boyfriend, your lead character. She's a sex repulsed uh, young woman, though, who just sinks into a depression and has just terrible, horrific visions after her sister, who's her roommate, leaves her to go on holiday with her boyfriend. And so her sister leaves town. Her boyfriend, who she can't stand, you know, he leaves his razor on the sink toothbrush on the sink she can hear him making love at night there's there's all these things where she just becomes 
you know, she's clinically designed to become repulsed, basically, to the idea of intimacy and sex. And now leave it to Roman Polanski, and I know this might say something about me, but I can't help but be infatuated by this guy's early career. He had a three-film run where it was Rosemary's Baby, The Tenet, and Repulsion, where he had three basically neo-noir horror films mm -hmm. that all took place in an apartment. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens here, where our main character, she uh, just shuts herself in to her apartment in the midst of being uh, kind of abandoned in her mind. She's uh, kind of left for dead by her boyfriend, who has gotten to the point where he just wants to have sex with her, which is the last thing on her mind. And now everybody else who enters her life has this persona behind them. And her, and, and, you know, that's how she's seeing them. Right. And so when all of a sudden the mailman comes to the door, when the landlord comes to the door, when I have to go to work, when I have to walk down the street, everybody basically is a sexual deviant. And not to say that quarantine has made people aggressively horny or that quarantine has made people like you know too too paranoid uh, paranoid to where they just think that the person across the hall has the worst intentions you know possible behind their actions this movie touches on it, it's the most realistic uh depiction that i can think of like oh the walls caving in on you you know, you have a mental breakdown, like a legit no trust in anybody. That the main character in this film, the moment her sister leaves town, can't trust anybody. It, there's, there's no, there's no like in The Shining and some of the other movies I talked to, there or talked about. There's this sense of like, there's someone who could save me. There's someone who could bring me out of this funk that I'm in. Once you realize that the main character in this film is. And I'm accessing this uh, movie. But once this character's going down the rabbit hole, yeah. um, there's no escaping right. the rabbit hole. Uh, because it's just worst case scenario. And so as I as much as I love The Shining is that I understand that The Shining is like the quintessential kind of isolation. You're by yourself. You're stuck there. The moment I saw this movie and for what I knew Roman Polanski meant to the world of film... I thought, this is his crowning achievement. This is one of the best, not only movies, but like exhibitions of knowing how to film a film. It's yeah. black and white. The cinematography for 1965 is insane. It is just the close-ups on people's faces, the, the sweat, the, the tension that you feel in this film. It's the most claustrophobic. It's the I yeah. was just gonna say it's the most claustrophobic I've ever felt while watching a film. By the end of it, I'm not to spoil anything, but by the end of it, you are re wherever this main character needs to go, you need to go there with her. And whether that's the grave, psychiatric ward, you know, whether she needs to come to Jesus, that's it's you're there with her. It's it, frightening. It's amazing. And it, I, it's going to be hard for anybody to find because it's so old and it's Roman Polanski. <laughs> but if you can ever get your hands on Repulsion, 
from 1965. Highly, highly recommend it. And that's it. <laughs> Those that's, are our lists. There it our, is. That's there our it top is. five. Uh, so if you're not of, feeling alone enough right now yeah, in yeah. this pandemic, go watch all 15 of these movies. Yes. Let's say like 15 to 30 movies that we just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I would right. guarantee you'll feel, you might actually feel better. You could feel better. That's, that's I think, kind of the fun, you know, part about doing this is that a lot of these uh, films kind of bring out a part of a part of ourselves. And, you know, you should go and look them up because they might bring out a part of you that you're like, oh, I've been, you know, I've been trying to tap into, you know, this part of, and, you know, I don't want to be get too heavy, but like loneliness or, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't seen this person in a long time or... I'm stuck in this just one environment. You know, I think a lot of us kind of talked about like one setting movies where like it's not the worst thing. You got to make the best of your situation. When it comes to that, when it comes to the point I said about mental health and when it comes to movies overall, movies that make you think are not a bad thing. They aren't. No. They're usually the better ones out of the bunch. It can be very constructive. Absolutely. And and therapeutic at times like what we're saying. Um, so the next time you hear us, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite films that we all view as being overrated. (laughs) So in the meantime, watch these films, enjoy your isolation. We'll see you next time to talk about, you know, all the things in life that aren't as good as you were told they were. Yeah. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Stay swell and give them hell. Watch movies and drink beer, guys. <laughs>